Welcome to the Forest Educator Podcast. I'm Ricardo Sierra. Today, we are talking with Danielle Zola, who's one of the partners or founding members of the Roots and Wings Village, which is a conscious parenting program and community, I believe. She's in Walden, New York. Danielle, welcome to The Forest Educator. Thank you. Super excited to connect. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of times when I'm on here interviewing people, they're like typically educators and a lot of the educators are working with children and adult to some degree adults. I haven't really interviewed a lot of people who are focused on really working directly with parents for the kinds of things like getting out in nature and helping to develop a healthy family and give them a foundation for life and everything. So tell me a little bit about what you do and how you got started and kind of anything that you want to share. Sure. Yeah. So I was always uh, geared my focus and my passion and my education towards working with children and families. And I got my master's in um, education and my master's in social work as a dual degree program. Really from the root of my experience in education, it was focused on the family as a unit. Um, and that that degree was to work in early intervention, to work within the system, which I did for many years. And having that experience, I just knew that once I had kids, I would not be sending them into that system, that it's, there's so many beautiful, amazing teachers making such a difference in the world, but that as a whole, the system's really flawed and broken. And that when I had my own kids that I wanted to be able to first and foremost, allow them to learn about what they wanted to learn about. And, and then also just be able to create an environment for them to learn in that I felt was the healthiest environment for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in, I have a 10 year old daughter, a, a seven year old daughter and a five year old son. And so when my 10 year old was becoming school age, when she was five, we started this Roots and Wings little co-op that first year where it was just four families and the parents stayed and we rotated through helping with teaching. And I was working my conscious parenting coaching business on the side. And so I had been, a, as my master's in, in social work had also led me down the path of working therapeutically with families, with especially moms. Once I had my kids, I didn't want to work. And anyway, I was working in the Bronx. I didn't want to work anymore there. So I started my own conscious parenting coaching business, mostly online. And so that led me down another uh, angle of this whole path as I got trained in the emotional freedom technique, which is also known as tapping. And so that really brought in this more, it's almost, it has more of a spiritual lens for me anyway, but it's also a very research-based tool to use. And I entered the world of healing more. And so anyway, when my daughter was about to be in kindergarten age, we started this co-op. And then the next year, um, this was in 2019, I was like, I really need to focus on my business. And I knew that I did not want my kids to grow up homeschooling in isolation. And so I wanted to create a community that they could really be in deep connection with other humans, with other adults, especially. I knew that I did not want to be the one like teaching my child all the time. And I wanted her to have other mentors. I partnered with my partner, my business partner, Karen. She was a Montessori teacher and we met her at a Montessori school and she was like, yeah, I'll take over the kids part and, and let's do this. And so we just entered into this space of having no idea what it was going to look like, really yeah. just knowing that we wanted to serve our own kids. This was not intended to be a business. It was really literally so that my kids could have community growing up and Karen also has two kids, um, similar ages. So it's interesting because I think that's probably a big impediment to, you know, preventing a lot of moms and families to jump into homeschooling is probably that exact same thing that you're mentioning right there, 
which is like, okay. oh, I don't want them to be isolated. I don't want them to be like going, mom, I'm bored. Mom, I don't want to do social studies, mom, whatever. And you're like, oh, that would be just like a lot of pressure and okay. just not good for anybody. And so it's interesting that you basically are saying like, hey, it takes a village to raise a kid and let's create the village. So it's cool to hear what you've been doing. Yeah, I got to, I had a lot of experience in, in with kids and in education and with moms before I had my kids. And I thought I was ready. I thought if there's anyone who's prepared for this, it's me. When I had my first daughter, it was like existential crisis. It was just like, I have to keep this child alive. And every part of myself that I could normally without kids just maybe numb away or sleep away or just bypass whatever's coming up in me with whatever coping mechanisms I had developed once I had my daughter and having the knowledge of how important those, especially the first three years were, yeah. I was like in this brutal place of knowing where I was wounding her and knowing that I didn't want to, but having no control or no awareness of how to stop. And my daughter did not, she has a lot of allergy stuff and right. she didn't at all for the first year she like did not sleep so this part of me of like rage and like all these parts of me like came online or came to the surface and I was like oh my gosh yeah. like, what do I do with all this and I just kept taking it out on her in different moments and feeling so guilty and so anyway it, it's just I it's I don't ever intend on this it sort of flowers out but when I did the tapping training whatever I end up doing, it's always to address the problems I'm personally having. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I dove into this world of healing and really looking at how my childhood wounds and my, all the places where I'm not okay, really deep inside them. There's no one else that can touch that place like your child. <laughs> yeah. So I began to really work and with that material myself. And I found this mother circle at a local Waldorf school at that time. I, and this, my mentor runs a group there every other Monday night that I've been going to for 10 years. And I just really landed in this place of desperate to be surrounded by other moms, by other mentors, by elders, by people that could walk me down this path and help me on this path. Cause I just knew how important these moments were and that I could not do it myself. And yeah, that led to this, this, so that combined need of my own parenting support and my daughter entering school age created this perfect storm where I knew that I did need a village and that I got to really get to the, see the inside of many moms homes doing these working with them and um, therapeutically. And I was so fortunate to know, Oh, it's not me. Like, everyone doesn't know what they're doing and yeah. everyone really feels like they're not enough for their kid Yeah, because you're not, <laughs> you need yeah. a village, you need community. And, and then right as in 2019, when we began Roots and Wings, I also went through a, a horrible divorce. And so I was really on my own with a five-year-old, a two-year-old and a four-month-old. And it was really survival just to create this village so that the impact of, you know, I, I just refuse to be one of those stressed out single moms who like was working all the time and not there for her kids and all of that. You know, I just did not want that to be our story and really leaned into creating this village to hold us through a really horrific time. And it really did. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, first of all, I was going to ask you when you created, you were living in the Bronx or in some place in one of the New York City boroughs, I'm, I'm imagining. Is that what you were saying? We were living in Westchester. I was commuting to the Bronx for kids. And then, yeah. And then after kids, I was working as a mental health consultant at that same organization in the Bronx. Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then when you made, created your village, was that in your home, in your home area or is it in yeah. Walden or in that, just mm -hmm. in general, that area? Yeah, my my family, I grew up in the Hudson Valley where Walden is. And so I we ended up coming back um, home and and that was where we landed with our village, which right. I'm really happy. We landed 
we, when we first started in a yoga studio and that second year when we were like, oh, let's do this as a drop off. Let's really do this. We were like, okay, we need some outside space. We didn't start this as a nature school, really, a forest school. We, we really, we were inside a yoga studio that first year. And then, but we knew we wanted to be outside. Karen was leading a forest school, like a little local free forest school at a, a park nearby. And she was very passionate about that. And we knew that we wanted the kids to be outside. And so we're like, let's find a church basement or something with some patch of green outside. And one day I just got the download of call this ashram that's local. I had driven past every day of high school, like this thing. I had never had been there. I didn't know what it was. And I'm just like, let me just call that uh, email them. Yeah. And we ended up connecting with the director there who has been our guardian angel. And I walked into the ashram and I started crying because I was like, this is perfect. And the director there, Deviani, she was just so gracious and really wanted to have kids programmings on their land. And so she opened our, her doors to us and we've been there for going on five years now. And they are housed on 300 acres of really sacred land. And so it's just been such a beautiful, supportive way to start this program and have this like amazing uh, place for the kids to really explore and be outside all day. Right. Yeah, that's really great. I, I love hearing stories of like partnerships like that because so many times people think, oh, I've got to go buy land. And land, it can be so prohibitively expensive. And then you have to deal with, oh, how do we get, how do we get it uh, permitted for kids to be there and whatever you need to do, whatever hoops you have to jump through. And it just, all of a sudden you immediately get this like brick wall of, okay, you need $400,000 to buy this perfect property. And, but then there's these other places that share a common goal as well, where they're like, hey, we're here to be of service we part of our mission is to help support families or whatever and it's nice when you can make that connection and mm-hmm. develop that relationship but i know some people they don't want to ask so they're reluctant to reach out and afraid they'll say no or whatever but mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to do it and <laughs> see what happens nothing ventured nothing gained really? yeah. yeah yeah it's the support that we've had and do and the other thing in retrospectively, I could, I think we could do this anywhere as long as we have, you really don't need much to run this type of program. It's yeah. really simple and we grew really rapidly. And the first year we were in the ashrams building and we had the little cart of supplies we had in a closet that we would pull out every day. And, and that was annoying, but, but did it, did the trick. And then and then COVID came, and so we shut down for a set a, that spring. And then when we came back in the fall, the ashram was a little more strict with all the regulations that they were following, and they had some elderly people living at the ashram, so they didn't want us to come back into their buildings at that time. And so we did go through that space of, like, do we buy land? Like, where do we go now? Yeah, and yeah. we ended up with this solution randomly of, putting yurts on the land. And so I didn't know what a yurt was then. I had to Google it. But if you don't know, it's um, a huge tent that is more like a internal building, but um, it's still technically a tent that has wood found. We have a concrete foundation. And and anyway, so we did that. And we built two yurt classrooms over the course of the last five years. And we also have two run-in sheds that we also use as more like outdoor classrooms. And and they and I we love it. It's really a great solution to not like paying for a building, which we don't even really need. Um, and we're only inside for a very limited time with the kids and just houses all of our supplies. And then most of the time we're outside um, on the land. So it really works. So we're so glad that we leaned into this ashram and this partnership. And it's really been so amazing. Yeah, it's COVID and the, the pandemic kind of the whole experience of that all unraveling really has seemed to create a lot of new pathways for like schools to think differently because suddenly they are doing remote teaching. Mm -hmm. I know a bunch of schools that said, oh, we want to start doing things outside because being outside is okay. How can we teach outside? And then just also for 
existing programs like yourself where suddenly it's, oh, we can't do what we would want to do because there's this problem of how do we do it safely and everything else with, with all the unknowns. Yeah, it was a, that was a real major event, I think, that hopefully created some maybe some cracks in the structures to allow a little bit of light in there and change or whatever. Yeah, it seems like there's a whole movement now of... I don't know if I'm just, I know, I think there's a movement. I was going to say, I don't know if I'm just more aware of this world now that I'm in it, but it feels like there's a revolution happening of the school system. And I think all of the systems are crumbling and that it's actually a good thing. And although very scary and chaotic and yeah. hard for everyone. Um, but yeah, I've always found myself organically just leaning outside of the systems and giving birth at home and doing all these alternative things for my own family. And so now it feels like there's definitely this movement towards leaving these systems and creating new solutions like on the ground. And it's really right. exciting. Yeah. What's interesting too is I liked what you were saying about the the public school system as being like if we say that system is broken, I think we we basically have been seeing over the you know decades the just the areas where it definitely have cracks in the foundation or whatever might have been working back in the day isn't working now for who we are now today. And at the same time, like I'm almost sixty, so I remember when a lot of people in the seventies were like, Hey, we're going to start a, a school up in Vermont and we're all going to be naked and running around and like, <laughs> we're going to have like structures bad. We're going to have no structure. And so it was like this extreme, like swing to the other side of the spectrum. And I think like for a lot of administrators, they're like, uh Oh, if we let anything alternative, their fear is we're all going to be just running around naked in the streets or something. You know? <laughs> and and so then they have this like super tight grip. Okay, if you have seven degrees and you have this and you have that, then we'll feel safe. If the program is such and such, we'll feel safe. But then all of a sudden now you have kids that come into school and they're like really anxious. They're so anxious that they can't actually learn or they're leaving the school because they're so they have anxiety or they just isn't working for them. And so suddenly they're going like, oh, wait a minute. We're not the only kid on the block. So now we're like, hey, maybe we should change. And then on top of that, teachers are leaving. So when teachers are like, hey, I don't want to keep staying in this system, then it, that makes a big change too. So yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, exciting. I think and, that, yeah. Yeah. That overly masculine structure, like in order to stay safe, which often leads to and looks like control is a band-aid I think that works for sure but it it does work but when you lean back and look at what it's actually doing it's you know like choking the life out of the of the whole thing and out of the teachers and the kids and I, as I said in the beginning I think one of the driving forces for me was wanting my kids to have the freedom to learn about what they wanted to learn about mm -hmm. and I think that is just so important and in our program, that is one of the, the ways that we have the curriculum. We don't have an explicit curriculum. It's mainly child-driven. And we. I think that this leads to adults that know who they are and know what they're here to do and can allow for that flow of whatever, you know, whatever is your higher power, whatever that flow, even if it's just creativity, to flow through you and then create your gifts and your purpose into the world. And I think the system is not really focused on that at all. It's actually just focused on staying safe and making sure you get somewhere. So if you have enough money, you have enough, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and we've definitely experienced, we just went through a process this last year of realizing we need a lot more structure actually. <laughs> okay. And I think that it's really about the balance between both the structure, like structure that can be solid and is really based out of love and not fear and is aligned with what you're trying to do, but then giving so much space for that fluidity and flow and like organic inspiration to come through 
not only the teachers, but the kids really and the families. And I think that leads, like I said, to kids who know who they are and what they're here to do. Yeah, it's interesting because when I think of your a school, it seems like for a forest school, like a preschool or even a kindergarten, there's like a tendency, it seems to say, hey, we're, you're going to be there for three hours and you're just going to be outside and you're going to be playing and we're going to have a few different things that we do. And, and then they have lots of possibilities. But then as the students get older, they actually want to learn more things or dive into things too. And so then you have to have a little bit more. And so it is that balance. It is a, a unique situation, right? To suddenly then go, okay, wait, how do we do that? So it's interesting that you had that process of, all right, uh -huh. now it look, looks like we actually do need more and what can we do and how do we do that? And how do we manage that? I imagine that's not really easy, especially if someone's like forest school trained and they're like, no, we're not going to do structured things. We're going to, it's going to be student led or whatever. And then all of a sudden going, uh oh, these kids are 10 and they really want to, they want to do bows and arrows. And we probably need to be a little bit more structured with how we do that or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think even just, I think what we've realized in this last year, we always intended on this, not just being a school. We don't identify as a school where we serve homeschoolers um, yeah. and their parents are taking care of the academics and our focus is on the social emotional um, development. And um, our mission is really for the, to connect the kids deeply with themselves, like to do, as I'm saying, to really allow that inner place of who they are to be connected with and developed. And then bringing that inner outer to connect with their peers and other adults and to also to navigate relationship is like a huge focus of ours. Like, how do we communicate? How do we problem solve and all of that? And then the last part is really connecting deeply with the earth. And I forgot where I was going with that, but. Um, yeah, it's like a balance because you don't have, you don't have to worry about the academics. You're not having to say Henry Hudson yeah. came up the Hudson river, blah, 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 from the Dutch or yeah. whatever. You don't have to get into all that. Yeah. And but, there's yeah. challenges in that too, for sure. But we, we realized in the last year that, what we're really doing here is not just this drop-off program for homeschoolers. It's really creating a village. We want this to be a village. Ultimately, Karen and I are aiming to land at on this land, actually living there. We don't know how that's going to look, but we would love to be in live in community. And the forest school and the the nature program is just one part of this whole. And yep. I think. We were growing so fast that we didn't have time to put in the structure. Karen and I are both single moms with five kids between the two of us. So we were trying to just doing the next thing really for our own kids. And it got really big, really fast. And, and so this year we're really like honing down on what is that structure? What is the model of been going down the path of sociocracy, which is like a, a governance model that's we're just beginning to explore and just all these different we're creating, we are creating this new system, this yeah. new way of living, this new way of, of raising children. And how can we connect with this ancient wisdom that has been lost around that? Because all I know for sure is the way our culture does it is not it. <laughs> mm. And so really pull from indigenous wisdom and just going back to our origins, going back to nature, really. Yeah. And then also bring in this new knowledge of healing and of the best practices for being with kids and how they best learn and all of it and, and combine the two and really create this new way of being, this new system. And so we don't know what it is. So it's been really, this whole thing actually has been like a download. I've been like, I feel like I've been live streaming the vision for this since I was in third grade and just like, it's very heart led and just creating it on the ground. And then this year really feeling the need to be more strategic and be more intentional with the overarching like structure of how can we be held to our intention um, in a way that there's a bottom, but there's yeah. no top like that the, we can still have that free flow, but there's also a bottom um, to right. hold. That thing. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting. I think with, with forest education in, in general, it feels for the most part, 
we are pioneering a new educational model or new educational system, but we're pioneering it on an end. Like lots and lots of people are recreating the wheel all over the world. And yeah. some of them have a structure like forest schools and having the structure of I'm going to go through level one, level two, level three training provided enough safety in like the structure of, okay, this person's serious. They're going to keep our kids safe. We can, parents can feel comfortable letting their kids go and be part of that and get the benefits of it. But at the same time, what is it? It's a lot of unstructured play that's student-led. So yeah. it's like the perfect blend of, hey, here's the structure of what the staff are trying to do. They're focused. They know what's going on. And that seemed to, that's really helped the like nature education field to really move forward in a lot of ways. But overall, what like you said, what you're doing is you're pioneering something that is probably ancient, just like forest school model is ancient. Everybody was forest schooled 500 years ago, yeah. probably. But then you go, okay, how do we do this? How do we, how do you create a conscious parenting village, you know, based on these ancient principles while living in late stage capitalism in uh, upstate New York, <laughs> right? Because you have yeah. these two, you have these two conflicting visions or paradigms going in there. And, and that must be really probably challenging a hundred percent. Cause I think everybody's trying to figure it out you yeah. know, in today's world. So. Yeah, for sure. I think even for, especially for the individual families, I think it's really challenging because everyone just wants what's best for their kids and we want to set them up for success in the future. And the education system has been this pipeline to success to the white picket fence in the house. And that's not reality anymore. It actually doesn't. At one time, I think it did do that to some extent to some groups of people, but yeah. um, it's not that anymore. And it's not even needed anymore. We don't even know what future we're preparing our kids for. It's changing so fast and the jobs are changing so fast. And even like the skills that you need to develop. Who knows? <laughs> I All I know is that this is when I was a kid, I'm like, why are we learning about the same social study year after year? I was like, there has to be more <laughs> to this. Yeah. And with internet and AI and everything for good and for worse, it's we don't need to learn the same way where we need to memorize facts. It's just, we don't have to do that. We have the internet. Like there's no reason for that. And I think we need to develop capacities instead. We need to... So it's almost like if I can have my kids at the source of who they are be healthy and whole, then whatever they do in the world is going to be healthy and whole. And I have no idea what that will be. Like they know, they know what lights them up and that's the breadcrumb mm. of go that way. And that's enough for me. And especially being in the school system, I can see, of course there's benefits, but there's so much damage that's happening. And yeah. um and so I really have this deep trust of this process for myself and my kids. And I think developing that is something that is really challenging because if you're not on the inside of it, you don't know. And it's it feels like there's no bottom for parents. What I don't know. I can't tell you what your kid's going to graduate into. I can't tell you what the research is. This is a new way. And there's nothing really concrete to hold on to. But this inner trust and inner knowing, and when you just witness it, unbelievable what's happening. But it's nuanced. It's so simple. It's magical in these little cracks of moments. And that if you're not looking for them or tuned to them, you might miss them. Whereas in school, you get to send home that math test that's an 80 and be like, oh, okay, there's a benchmark. My kid is right. getting somewhere. And so I find that, and even myself having the language, I internally and know it and I can see it, but... How do I communicate this to the parents that don't have that um, right. knowledge? So that's been a struggle. Yeah. <clears throat> I talked to one person, teach an educator once, and she said to me, she goes, I don't try to convince parents to like keep their kid in my program. She's, oh yeah, go ahead. And she said, that she just lets the kids go. And then what happens is three or four months get, go into the season when September, October, she says they're like turning around begging to like, let her kid come back in. And mm. And she's, I just, I watched my, the light drain out of my kids' eyes as they realized that they can't go play. They can't have a conversation and keep going. Even when the bell rings, that's it. It's run to your mm -hmm. locker, run it, whatever it is. It's like this whole other experience. 
And she was like, a parent, when a parent sees the light start going out of that kid's eyes, they're going to turn around and go, yeah, that, that is, that's not going to work. You know, mm -hmm. once you experience how your kid is when they're lit up and when they're excited, it's really tough to turn around and then watch them go down the rabbit hole of, of whatever school it might be. I don't know. Every school's got some kind of a system, right? Like Montessori or Waldorf. I grew up in a Waldorf school up till eighth grade. So I, this is a long time ago, but I, I got mm -hmm. a whole experience of just, now it wasn't really student led, but we just had really enriching experiences and lots mm -hmm. of teachers that really cared about me. I know I was a, a handful of a kid and I always knew that they cared about me. Whereas when I went to public school, I was like, okay, none of these teachers really, they don't even, they didn't even bother learning my name. They would just call me any Mexican name. I was like, Ricardo Sierra, they just, hey, Carlos, can you read chapter three? And I'm like, who's Carlos? Uh, <laughs> and this guy was like, whatever, man, just read the thing. And I'm like, come on, dude, I'm not, it's not that hard. But they just, it was a, it's a whole different vibe and thing and I was like all right I'm gonna have to sink or swim in this thing but yeah yeah and it's not mostly I was working in the system like mostly as a social worker I was it's there's so much that you have to do and all the paperwork and all the boxes you have to check and all you don't have time to <laughs> learn everyone's name it's so it's an impossible yeah feat. um for those individual teachers to do. I, I was like driving past my middle school the other day on the way home from Roots and Wings. And I was just like reflecting on like how grateful I am that I have such like freedom that mm -hmm. not only do I get to teach like what I would want to learn about or really get to serve the kids in front of me with this openness, um, but I get to be paid and be with my kids. It's just... It's, it's just so amazing and I'm so grateful to be able to be in this position and be able to teach with such freedom. And I really feel that this session in particular, I've been stepping in as the middle school teacher, which is not my jam, but my daughter is in that class now. I'm like, okay, I'm going to lean into this. And it's been so amazing. And what I find most is that what has grown this session is my relationship with all of the kids and I, it's that's the focus and that's what I and it's so fulfilling for me I love all of these kids I'm so connected to all of them and then you know the learning just happens like I don't have to sit there and lesson plan and, and get all the supplies and figure it all out like all of that weight that was typical in other situations, it's just gone. So it's just, I get to show up with like my full presence and my heart to these kids. And then like magic just happens. And it's the ease of it all is so striking. And yeah. in such a contrast to like the stress of the system and trying to serve all those kids in the system, it's very stressful because it's really impossible. Sure. Yeah, that's really awesome what you're doing. And I think what's interesting to me is that like, for example, with this alternative, you're pioneering an alternative educational model. And like hundreds and hundreds of other, maybe hundreds of thousands of people around the world, you're saying, we're not, we're going to do this. We're going to make it happen. And they're all trying different things. And right now people have to get involved. We have to fundraise. Some people can afford it. Some people can't. You have to, it's no, it's not something that's publicly funded, like the public school system, but it's going to be difficult for, you know, us to figure that part out. But I believe that eventually it will, we will get integrated and or create that change because I know teachers are, I talked to somebody who was a first grade teacher and she just said, I don't, I didn't like my job. Like I, my job was there to, the, I had to enforce a structure and impose that on these kids. And I could literally see them just, tune out and just have to go numb to whatever's going on. It's hard to be the person trying to implement or push that. It's like a company has a policy and they're like, okay, <laughs> we're not going to let people return this product. And you're like the one that, you know, that the cashier and they're yeah. all in and yelling at you. And it's okay. Maybe this yeah. isn't the right job for me. Right. Yeah. Even just being outside is many, I, I many of the kids that we have, probably would be labeled with something in different circumstances right. now 
And the first year when we were in the ashram, we were inside the building a little bit more and we needed to be mindful of the noise because there was other people in that building and we had to make sure everything was cleaned up. And so there was a lot more structure that first session. And even just walking in a line through the hall was like cringy for me. And then once COVID kicked us out of the building, it was the best blessing because I was just struck by just being outside eliminates 95% of all of that need to like keep kids quiet or keep them in, in a line or keep them. It's like they can just and then be outside and outside just regulates them and teaches them. Yeah. <laughs> so literally, yeah. And I know that there's even in the public school system since COVID, there has been a lot of movement towards just being outside, even if it's still the same curriculum and all of that it's not as is open it's still just being outside um learning makes it night and day for for the kids and the and all of the, like the behaviors and all of that pop up when kids are in an unnatural environment that their bodies are not meant for i remember i worked at a day camp in the summer i think this was like 1990 or something it was way back and I remember just seeing kids be really like, these are like five-year-olds. And I remember just seeing them play. They were all playing together. And then one kid would just like zone out. Like I could tell that they were like missing their family. They were there for eight hours in this day camp. And this kid would just push someone. Like just, you could feel that they didn't want to be there, but they had to be there, but they had these feelings and they would just push the kid and just the kid would go flying. And then they'd have this whole, oh, you can't do that, whatever. And I just went, that's the only thing that kid knows what to do, how to let out this emotion that they have because they really want to be home with their family. They're frustrated, right? They've been with mom and everybody for the, all this time. And now all of a sudden they're like in this camp. And I could really relate to that kid. And I was just like, man, I, I can't let you push another kid, but I get it, man. I, it is hard. And, and sometimes the things that I think society tells us we have to do be away from our kids for eight hours or nine hours or 10 hours. They're just not, that's just not right. It's just not really gonna, it doesn't work. But, but if nobody really ever says this isn't really right, then we just keep doing it because we got to work at our jobs and everything else. So yeah, well, people are taking it into their own hands like you. So that's good. How are the families um responding have you heard like things from the families that they oh we like what's going on there is mm -hmm. it hard for them do they have to deal with their grandparents and stuff like that thing they need to be in a real school or something or most of i don't know i think especially because early in the onset of developing this program we toyed with do we include this parent work as a part of what we're doing? And that has been an, a process because mm -hmm. knowing what I know and, and doing the work from the lens that I'm doing it, I just felt so strongly that I didn't want to, and nor could I work with a kid in isolation without working with their parents. Right. Like it, it doesn't feel like, it's, to me, it's just, what's the point? Because, and there is a point. I think there's many different programs that have a different lens that that can work beautifully. But for what I'm here to bring, working with the whole family is essential. Um, and also, if a kid is acting out or having problems, to just address it within the setting of the school just feels so lacking for me. And that it's always a whole a picture of, the whole child, whether it's, there is something going on the inside of them with their brains or with their nutrition or with whatever, but, and also the system that they're coming from with their family, like yeah, their family is the most important people in their lives. So, so anyway, we decided, I was like a really leaning into, no, this is going to be a part of it. So we do, we charge a fee for the parent work and it's evolved into many different forms. I did it online. I, I did it once a month. And so now we're doing it once a month in person. We have a parent circle. And this session, we've been diving into the four agreements and just really doing this connecting and healing and looking at how 
looking at our parenting in this conscious way as a community. And it has turned people away because they just want to drop their kids off, which is a need that people have, a valid need. And this program is not that. And I think maybe because of that and many different trials and errors and expansions and contractions, the people we have now in front of us are really here for it. They really get it for the most part. I think some of that education stuff, they can, especially with different partners or grandparents, people that don't get it, it is still challenging. And when you have to hand in that homeschool report or whatever is happening that brings you back into that world, it's, you get wobbly and trusting the process a bit. But for the most part, I think the families here just so value and have the same values of wanting the kids to have the freedom to develop who they are from the inside out instead of from the outside in and just, yeah, love what we're doing and are here for it. And it's exciting. Even now, even more recently, we've been having people come in for the parent work, which makes me yeah. excited. Yeah. Like, that's really, I want those people who are here for my medicine that is not for everyone. Yeah. Some people don't want to do that, this work and that's okay too. And, but yeah, so it's been, and it's been hard for me to stand in this. No, this is what we're doing here. Cause as soon as I break apart that the parent work from the kids work, it just becomes an entirely different thing. And I think it's just essential to do it um, in combination for what we're doing here. Yeah, that's true. It sounds like it, it is hard. I know for myself that I oftentimes would feel like, oh, I can adapt whatever I'm doing to suit whoever the client is that's showing up. And you do that because you want to help them. You trust what they're saying. You just do the best you can. But at the same time, then sometimes they're, you're being asked to do something that is outside of the scope of what I want to do. And I remember that same feeling of, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to compromise my values or the way I know would be better. So I just eliminated that. But it's really hard to do. And mm -hmm. and then at the same time, like when you're talking about doing the parent work, it's it's not like you're saying, oh, you have to, everyone has to go to therapy if you're going to be in my program because we're going to push this therapy thing. But it's really not, oh, you all have to agree in a way that's, I don't want to use the the cult word, but let's, oh, everyone has to be like of like mind and we have to trust the leader or something. But it's mm -hmm. really just saying we got to do the personal work for these things so that it'll help support us. It's not about you. It's not about joining something. It's just about saying, hey, we're trying to attract people that want to get better or want to improve things in our families for and for ourselves too. It's not just for the kids, but for everybody. So it must, yeah. must be interesting to try to figure out how to word that the right way to make it fit so people know, hey, you found your place. This is the place, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it's even with the teachers that we hire or really anyone, I think my number one most important attribute is knowing that you are willing to go and do your work, that right. to go in like when... Even it's the same for the teachers. Like if a kid is triggering you, like kids are triggering. <laughs> they're yeah. annoying and they're loud and they push your buttons and all the things and, and so much less of that when you're outside. But there's moments mm -hmm. and for a teacher to be able to say, instead of just projecting out on that kid needs to be controlled or the kid is the problem or the even the behavior is the problem right yeah there's always things like let's change the structure of the flow of the day or let's maybe that johnny needs to eat some chicken at 11 or something whatever <laughs> there are things that you can do outwardly but also at the same time it's so important to go in and say okay but what is this child behavior bringing up inside of me that makes me feel like dysregulated and angry and all that has nothing to do with the kid and really missing an opportunity if you don't go in there and do that work yeah and so the same for the parents it's, if there's something going on with a kid in the program 
I want to talk about the ch- parents' childhood. <laughs> I yeah. want to go there, and and it, yeah, it does. It can be in whatever process and and whatever tempo, and however the parents are always in control. It's, it's also it's very open, but just this sort of agreement as a community that we're all willing to go there and do this work together, um, especially in the times of problems or crises or whatever. That that's where we're going, not towards controlling and fixing on the outer. I think you go into that structure thing that's a band-aid that we were talking about earlier, but doesn't really get to the root of the problem. Well, I think having your training that you've had is, this is what I think is unique about your program is that there's a lot of like teachers that then became forest school educators, or there's people that are just like, I like working with kids. I'm going to get forest school trained. But you have this background in social work and therapeutic models and so forth. Because of that, you're able to add this whole other dimension to it. And I would imagine, I'm just imagining myself in the way of going, okay, my wife wants to homeschool the kids and I work, I work in whatever I work in Manhattan and I'm like, I have very limited amount of time. I'm trying to support the lifestyle of our family living in the suburbs or whatever. And my wife has decided to do this. And she's also said, by the way, this is the school for us. And we have to do this thing every month or whatever it is. And we have to look at why do we avoid the kids or why do we get triggered or what happened last week when the kids spilled water on the floor and I flipped out. And I could just imagine it be something where the parents that you're going to get resistance in a way, like whether it's resistance, like I'm having these feelings or if it's just, oh, okay, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Miguel Ruiz, be impeccable, blah, blah. Like somebody (laughs) saying like, oh God, I read that book 20 years ago. Are you guys, is that, I just could see that being a, an issue, but, but maybe not, maybe that's just me projecting because I'm older and maybe mm-hmm. that you were the newer generation of people are like, Hey, I'm willing to do it. I get it. And I don't need to be as resistant. Yeah. Oh no. I think it's a thing, <laughs> especially actually for the dads. I think yeah. it is just in general, it does look like the moms are here for it and maybe the dads don't know they just don't know about it yet so it's definitely that resistance is here in my own self like doing this work is the hardest work you'll ever do like looking at yourself so closely is not fun no (laughs) it's very uncomfortable and there's so many moments in my life where life just forces me to do it because of whatever's happening crumbling and I'm like I have to do this work but I don't want to a lot of the time and so it's it's especially the model we've just recently landed on where it's like once a month it's not so intense everyone doesn't have to come it's just that they pay for it and so they choose to come or not it's not like they get kicked out of the program if they don't come to the meetings but it's just a part of what we're doing so we're attracting people from the onset that are like okay I'm paying for it they're agreeing to pay for it and yeah. so that if you're really not wanting that service then you're not going to pay for it you're not going to come to begin with so at the onset it eliminates some of that resistance and then, and then they can come or not but and then really it's also this understanding that like if there is a problem with the child say we haven't actually had this recently but if there's a problem going on with the child or whatever is happening that this is the lens that we're going to look at it with together not just going to the work of the parents but also the work of the teachers the work of the program like how can we wrap around the child and do this work together to allow for the child to succeed and so it's really there it becomes mandatory if that's the word you want to use or that's just the lens that we're going to focus on for this problem and at that point I would be like turn people away if they didn't want to do that work just because I can't in integrity with what I'm doing focus solely on a child's problems because it's not just the child's problems and it won't fix anything anyway right because it's just yeah yeah. it's interesting yeah i'm 100 percent with you on all this and i know that for me if if somebody said to me hey we're going to do a meeting because it's going to help your kid i would be like i'm 100 percent there because i do anything for my kid Mm -hmm. and at the same time i also hold this thing which is if I feel like I'm not doing enough for my kid or that I did something wrong, it's like the most excruciating pain that I feel that I've let him or her, him down, her down, or anybody in my family or in my circle. Anytime I feel that way, I just am like, it, I just can't even wrap my head around it. It's so painful. 
And so then I'm like resistant to want to go and find out, did I do something? Was it my fault that blah, 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 something happened? And so I could just see holding those two things. And then also at the same time, wanting to do, and maybe you guys don't get into this as much as deep as I'm talking about, but I'm just thinking about it a lot, like how so many parents will just do unbelievable things to not be judged, right? They just want to be the perfect mom. See, I've got this, I've got that. I did everything right. So no one, everybody should be happy. And then guess what? The kids are still going to, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, that's, I think the beauty of the, one of the amazing parts of this is that I'm on the ground with everyone doing the work. I have three little kids. So I am constantly leading from this place of, I don't have all the answers and I'm not perfect. And I mess up every day. And so I talk about my failures as a mom. Yeah. And even in the groups or whatever, I'll, if I'm going through something hard myself, it's not like I'm hiding that or not talking. I'm there crying with all of everyone else. I don't know what to do here. I'm failing my kid here. Um, And so I think just normalizing that we're all, like every single one of our kids will be wounded by us. I say that all the time. No one gets out alive. (laughs) You know, everyone is wounded. And in fact, I think it's important and that those wounds become our purpose. But normalizing, like we are all failing at this. And that, especially if we're doing it in isolation, because we all have to have these moments. We have moments where we have a parent dies or we go through something and we're not going to be the best parent. And if we can lean on each other and say, Hey, can you come pick my kid up today? So I can cry in the bathroom. Just it, yeah. it has been for the health of the individual and the community. You have to be doing this work as a community together. And it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so nice when you can do something for someone else who's going through a tough, tough time. Because then you can then go, oh, okay, it'll be okay for me when I need it. And you're not having all these feelings in isolation. So that, that's a, that really magnifies it. The more I would think about something that I did or said, and then I'd just be like working by myself in the barn or something and being like, it just gets built up and built up in your brain. And then, yeah, I really, I really love what you're talking about for all of this. I think to me, I, I hope you're finding a way to document some of these things. Because I know you have, I think you have a course that you offer that talks about how to duplicate this, your model a little bit. And yeah, tell me a little bit about how that's progressing or what you're, how you're seeing it now. Yeah. Yeah. So when we first started in, in 2019 or, and like really after 2020, when the world started to shift around education, well, really out of necessity, we had people reaching out to us from like all over the world saying, how did you do this? We, we want to do this. So many people. So we decided to create a course really because we just couldn't talk to all of those people individually. We didn't have enough hours in the day. And so we created this course called Launch Your Village. And, and it really was like the course we would have loved to have as we were starting this process because there were so many dead ends of months of stalling out just because there is no model. There's no rules, really. There's no, there's different boxes we fall into where we try to follow whatever we need to, but it's, there's no like permission. There's no definition of all of it. This is how you do this. And so we created this course around like all of the business logistics of opening a program like this and just the whole journey from getting your email address and what is the name and the what is going to be the legal structure and what are the regulations in your area and all of that masculine structure stuff that you right. have to and so we and we're actually Karen my partner's so amazing at all this she's creating an ebook for that part of it for this next launch where it's just all in a book you can follow along and plug in your own info and do it That's- and then i was like oh but we can't just give people this. This is only half of it. And so I really bring in this more feminine healing part of this process for us because both Karen and I have gone through this unbelievable process of healing ourselves to in order to step into this massive mission that we have. And and so we go through each week like the week we talk about regulations on the business side, we talk about feeling safe being seen. And like 
all of the stuff from your childhood. I do guided meditations, taking you back to your childhood, looking at that moment when you were like called out in front of the class and you were embarrassed and like how that comes up in you being seen on social media or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so dive in deep to like, what are the barriers and blocks within you that stop you from doing something like this um, in the world and really healing a lot of that in the process. And yeah, it's so exciting and amazing. And this last year we launched it for the second time last spring and we had like 30 women from all over the world who had such a strikingly similar mission and we're like oh my god I didn't know there were more people out there like this that have the same it feels like we're we are creating this new earth this new system this new way just way of being with children and families and so yeah it's really exciting and gives me such hope for the future and yeah we're gonna launch it again this spring yeah Nice. That's that's so good. I I love that things are online now because people who have no access to be able to say, come all the way to New York or wherever Mm -hmm. to to be able to just get the benefits of that type of work. That's so super, super valuable. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's, I have a lot of hope for the future. A lot of people I know who are my age will like go, yeah, it's good. This is how it is. And it's never going to change. We can't change fast enough. And, and then I look at like where kids are at and I look at how like the whole culture of being compassionate, empath, empathetic, and using language that is supportive and understanding and inclusive and all these things that are slowly moving outwards. And it makes me feel really good. And I'm a little bit... <laughs> This is topic in a way, but I think, I wonder what those young adult teen movies are going to look like in the future, because Uh, like a lot of the movies, they're just like, there's a bunch of kids and they're just like, we're going to go do this. And then someone's, no, we're not going to do that. And then usually it's like this conflict because no one's listening to each other. And I can just imagine about 10 years from now, (laughs) movies are going to just be like, we're going to go do this. And it'd be like, so tell me more about what you're feeling. (laughs) And And then the movie just drags down and be like, Oh, okay. So yeah. So how did you feel about your uncle when he was mad at you? (laughs) Okay. It'll be interesting to see what, what after school specials would will sound like just because kids are different. Like kids don't engage and they are quick to notice like when their parents or their other people are, they have the language and the, and the perception now in teens or whatever, they're just brilliant. And so that's what gives me real hope. You know what I mean? It's just like they can see it. So I think really every problem in the world, including everything going on with, with the earth, is a problem of the relationship. And when we strengthen our capacity, like our internal capacity for relationship by removing and healing all the wounds and the blocks and also just the skills, the, the language skills and the like relational yeah. skills, like the problem solving skills anything is possible anything and yeah yeah, one of my like my top parenting hacks is like whenever my kids are having a hard time or they're mad at me or whatever even if it's like something I don't agree with I just repeat what they're saying back to them yeah and it's the best parenting hack ever. Like it's so amazing. And usually they just, they respond so beautifully. It's like everyone just wants to be seen and heard in their pain. And it's usually not logical. It's usually not quote unquote, but just having a mirror, a loving mirror to your pain, your heart is like life changing. And the other day, my seven-year-old, I was trying to gather all the kids back into the year for lunch and they were all like going everywhere. No one was listening. And I'm like saying, come on, guys, go in here. And my seven-year-old looks up to me. And she's, it must be really hard being a teacher sometimes, mom. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Someone needs a hug. Yeah. 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 That's And that's what I think really gives me a lot of hope is that we're just in a different place where we don't immediately have to go into fight or flight or freeze. Like we don't have to do the reptilian brain or whatever. We can actually take a moment, breathe and slip yeah. into the prefrontal cortex and maybe get a chance at not going back genetically or whatever. Well, this is awesome. Tell me about your, how do we get a hold of you? How do people find you? It's Roots and Wings Village, right? Yep. Yep. We're Roots and Wings Village on Instagram and on Facebook. And then 
we have a website for our program. It's rootsandwingsvillage.org. And then for the course, it's the uh, website is launchyourvillage.com. Nice. Nice. That's great. It's been just, I tell you what, I'm really impressed with everything you're doing. It's just, mm-hmm. I know how hard that work must be, not only to do the work, but also to put yourself out there and be the leader of that. So I just uh, have so much respect for what you're doing and appreciation for what you're doing. It's really important. And I really, I, I'm so thankful for that. And you're not that far away. It would be fun to come down, yeah. visit or sometime and see what, see how it's going. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. 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 That would be amazing. Thank you so much for just sharing this whole thing with us because this, I think for me anyway, this is like eye opening. And I know if I was like 35 and had three kids and I would just be like hanging on your every word and then I'd be like talking right now and just being like, let's, let me find out more because, you know, who needs the village? Like everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I I feel like we could talk for hours and hours. We probably could. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's been so, it's been amazing. Thank you for all of your work. It's been so fun to listen to all the different voices in this movement from all the different angles. And yeah. Yeah, it, it has. It's changed my life. I, I love all the different types of people doing these things. It, I get I get emotional about it because I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. such a good everything. Everybody's doing such good things that it just makes me feel a lot of joy. So Well, have a great winter and yeah, hopefully I'll see you. And yeah, thanks again. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for listening to today's episode and for all the things that you do to help build a world that is connected to nature. You can get access to the bonus episodes, my forest educator, nature journals and curriculum, as well as other useful content by subscribing to my Patreon page where you can support us at any level. You can find the link in the show notes for that and my website and social media as well. And I will see you outside.